This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show! Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Right on. I have so many questions. So what I was hoping would be that you would be able to just give us um, as much as you can about information about what's happening, what's going to continue to happen, how and how it came about that this incredible, um, the Black Lives Movement here in Calgary is just incredible. I wanted to thank you as well for your part in putting that together because it has been amazing. Thank you for supporting. Oh, yeah. Uh, to me, there's no other option, right? So, yeah. Are, did you want to just start talking about the, everything that you've been involved in? Maybe what got you involved? Obviously, it's important, but not everybody does it. So, Yeah. Um, in 2016, when I was still in high school, I had a friend who had a Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter rally. Yeah. And um, uh, she invited like hundreds and hundreds of people and only six people came. Mm. And so we still walked around downtown Calgary with our signs and everything. There were still people yelling at us saying it wasn't Canada's problem. We didn't have really? up here. Oh. And I was just like, this is so interesting. And after that, I got more involved in like my own research and everything. I started taking sociology in university. And then when this happened, a couple of friends and I were in a call and they said, we should do something like that again. And I was like, that's true. And then it got way bigger than we expected. And oh. so many people came compared to the last one yeah. I went into. And so I just started the event and invited a couple of friends. And then they invited some friends. And then yeah. eventually I look at the page and 2,000 people are coming. Wow. <laughs> How did that make you feel? I was shocked. I didn't know that that many people wanted to support and participate in this kind of action in Mm -hmm. Calgary, at least. Yeah. And so um, I had a friend reach out to me who's very into activism in Calgary and at her own school in Halifax. And she asked me if I needed help, if I knew any Calgary activists. And I said, I don't really, (laughs) because I go to school in BC. So she helped me meet so many people that helped out with this event. Yeah. Um, she let, introduced me to some people, some women from the group, I don't know more, some black Calgary activists. None of this would have been possible without her. Yeah. 
Wow, because it's so big, hey? And, and can I ask you how old you are? I'm 20 years old. You are 20 years old, hey? Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I can't even imagine because you don't even want to know what I was doing when I was 20. Like you don't <laughs> even want to know. Um, but that's incredible. Um, what, what motivated you to, to get involved in that first one that only had a few people there? What was kind of the driving force? Like have, have you been through obviously systemic racism, no question, right? Um, but have you been the target of um, obviously abusive behavior from, from non-supporters? I have, um, like my whole life. Sometimes I don't hmm. realize until later, but I have. And my friend who organized that event in 2016, yeah. I actually met her in Spanish class when someone was making fun of her name because they were like, it's very urban, very black. Mm. And so wow. when she was like, do you want to come to this rally that I'm having? You know, it's a, something we should support. Mm -hmm. I was like, of course I'll be there for you. Of course, you're my sister. Mm -hmm. And there was like, at the time I was very impacted by Trayvon Martin who mm -hmm. wasn't killed in 2016, but I was still thinking about it all those years later. What was, can you tell us the story of Trayvon again? So he was walking home to his dad's house in a gated community. Mm -hmm. And he was wearing a hoodie after he'd bought Arizona and Skittles. And George Zimmerman saw him coming into the community and thought he didn't look like he belonged there. So mm -hmm. he called the cops and the police asked, um, if he was in danger or anything, and George Zimmerman was like, I'm fine, I'm gonna follow him. They asked him not to follow him. He followed him, they got in a fight, and Trayvon Marvin was killed by George Zimmerman shooting him. Oh. And George Zimmerman got off free of charges, and he sold the gun, which he killed Trayvon with and made profit off of that. Oh, this God. year, actually, he tried to sue the family for defamation. What was the result of that? Like he tried and they, they obviously turned it down, I'm thinking, but. It's still going through trials. Get out of here. Yeah. So they've actually given some legitimacy to this, like this obviously backwards human who is just trying to profit from this whole thing. Yeah. My goodness. My goodness. Um, and there's so, there's so many examples, right, of, of where, um, people of color, indigenous people are absolutely just um, framed a certain way, right? Like in people's mentality. Um, I, I don't know anything about it. Like I'm 100% ignorant. Like I'm just, I am starting to learn things that I didn't even know I didn't know, right? Um, and for that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you because I really appreciate not having to live in ignorance, right? Like, and last week was an incredible experience for so many. Um, Calgarians because of the work you've been doing. I'm so grateful that you stuck with it after that first one. That would have been tough, hey? Yeah. I I did very little things, though. I never mm. had my own vigil or protest before mm. that. Like, what I do is on Instagram, for every day of Black History Month, I'd post a notable Black figure. And yeah. I'd have friends who'd be like, you're doing a lot. And I'd be like, I'm not doing enough. Mm. Yeah. Or like for this vigil, I helped some friends, you know, make posters, bring posters. 
they were like, are you going to make your own? I was like, I'm just going to reuse the one from 2016, which also says I can't breathe like George Floyd really? Eric Garner said. It's wow. a very repeated phrase in police brutality. Oh my goodness. You know what? I haven't, I probably haven't seen enough of those videos, right? To hear that, but that, that just gave me chills. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That is. Sometimes we're not lucky enough to catch them all on video. So. Oh man. Yeah. That's just so haunting. Like it's just so haunting. Um, and it's obviously real, right? Like there's obvious, there's no question. And I, I don't even know, to be honest with you, I don't really get the arguments um, against like, equality i just don't get it <laughs> like i i don't get the arguments for why like why not change stuff enough of us are aware obviously that stuff is broken right like this system is broken it, it doesn't protect everyone it doesn't protect really anyone that needs the protection right it protects people that have money to have protection yeah and it was always designed to be that way yeah and the first cops were actually um, slave catchers, you know, bringing them back to the plantation when they tried to escape. And oh, geez. After the emancipation of the slaves, there was still the Jim Crow laws. Mm -hmm. After that, there was the school to prison pipeline. It's mm -hmm. just a never ending system of helping those with money instead of those who need it. Yeah. That, and, and that's, that's incredible. Um, so glad that uh, for that bit of history. Speaking of history, though, like part of my learning and, and cracking my ignorance is, is trying to like read up on like Martin Luther King, like what the civil rights movement was doing back in the 50s, 60s and 70s. And obviously hundreds of years before that, like or almost 100 before that, when slavery was abolished, um, it uh, that is there like a figure that you can think back on or like a favorite figure? of the civil rights movement for yourself? I'd probably have to say Malcolm X. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because he really was about actually having actions mm -hmm. and speaking out against injustices. So was Martin Luther King, but I think Malcolm X was more mobilized. Mm. Also, I recently found out that he's from Grenada, which is the same Caribbean country that my best friend is from. So I was like, that's pretty cool connection. That's cool. Oh, Malcolm X was. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Right on. I like, I like, I appreciate all the work of the, of the folks back then. There's too many names to name. Right. But of course the big ones. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of both of those guys too. One, because Martin Luther King represents the pen and Martin uh, Malcolm X represents the sword. Right. Like, and I think in order to move forward, we have to have both of those things working together. Right. The pen and the sword. Yeah. Um, wow. Are, were your folks involved in, in like, in the, in a movement of this type or? Uh, not really. No. They were there to support me, but they weren't like, um, you know, doing anything. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously giving me rides, helping me. Mm -hmm. the pee -pee and everything that was donated but i don't think like obviously they've both faced their share of racism ever since coming to canada but i don't think they've ever been in any protests or anything okay and so their their support for you obviously like they're proud of you i'm assuming i can't imagine yeah um do they uh 
do they learn from you? Like, do they, how does that go? I'm imagining you learn from them as well, based on what they've been through. Um, right. But I mean, I can, I can imagine the learning going back and forth and just such an incredible relationship could be there. Mm -hmm. We have different experiences, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, my parents grew up in the Caribbean and Haiti, so racism is a little different there since it's predominantly black in Haiti where they're from, but they still had to go through it and had to see um, unfair treatment of people and they understand that that's not okay and they know how to deal with it and how to teach us to deal with it. That's great. It's probably, and maybe for them, it probably feels really good to be in Canada where Maybe I, I don't know what kind of like how the racism works in Haiti. Um, like I, my my sister in law is from the Philippines, and how how it works there is if you're darker skinned, you're a farmer, right? You, people assume you're a farmer, and you don't want to be a farmer apparently. Like there's so there's hierarchy right everywhere you go, and um, it was interesting to learn that. I'm wondering if maybe it was similar in Haiti. I'm not sure because. Mm. I've only been to Haiti like three times. Okay. I think they would probably rather be in Haiti just with all the mean things that people have said here mm. and still say here. Oh, okay. But they that... know that there's a lot of opportunities here as well. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, you know, I, of course, because I'm ignorant and because I have like privilege and I'm able to walk through my days not even thinking about this stuff, right? Most mm-hmm. of the time. Um, <clears throat> I, I assumed Haiti would have been less desirable, right? Like that's, that's the assumption. And it's, you just like blew my mind because obviously for them, Haiti might make a lot more sense, right? Maybe even for yourself, you know, to go home, right? If that's where you feel home is. Um, it's such a, man, that is, this is such a, an interwoven subject, hey, like into the mentality of, of people like myself for sure where we just I think it's okay here and I forget that it's not okay here for everybody you know there's and oh okay I just got goosebumps you're blowing my mind already and we're only just started talking um what's the future look like for Black Lives Matter here in Calgary um there are a lot of groups that are coming together to work on projects for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of them on Instagram because most of them are being run by like young women. Like I think Mm -hmm. I'm the oldest one who did a vigil this week. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Page on Monday at YYC BLM on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They're like um, between like 17 and 19 years old. Um, Against Police Brutality on Wednesday it was led by Ava who's 19 or 20 years old as well and then wow that's incredible we had adults who reached out to help us but like we started them well you're adults you're just young adults that's (laughs) all right like yeah and I'm sorry if even if you're 17 and you're doing work like this you're an adult (laughs) like you've you've just jumped up a level by putting your ass and your like self in the line of fire at, I mean, 17, 20 years old. That's, that's incredible. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you probably experienced this and you can correct me if, if it's off base, but 
you're like the bulk of your um, like peer group, if it's similar age peer group, probably aren't doing what you guys are doing normally, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, so I don't, I'm just saying it, it makes people stand out, right? When at such a, a young age, you get dug into such an important movement, such an important, um, yeah, I'll just call it a movement because it's, uh, I hope it becomes a way of life. Honestly, I do. I think that there's so much change and beauty that's going to come if we just like surrender, right? And say, okay, we've, we have totally messed up. Let's stop messing up. Let's get out of the way and stop messing up. Yeah. Yeah. So I thank you for that big time because uh, this, this stuff is talking to, it's bringing out, um, as you probably are aware, um, in more than I am to be, to be honest, but it's bringing out people's true, true feelings, right? It's bringing yeah. out their true mentalities. And I'm also really grateful for, for that because it's nice not to have to think about who your friends are, yeah. <laughs> right? Cause I can accept anything about anybody except like racism. It's one of those things where it's like, well, and if some other things I might not be too understanding about, but yeah. racism's a no, that's like a dead end right there. That's okay. We're no longer friends. I don't even need to hear your reasons. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, man, now I can't think of any of the questions, Darcy. I have so many, like, yeah. I'm so impressed by you and your friends. Like, this is incredible. Um, well, I guess if there's a way uh, to help from my perspective, uh, maybe you could tell me what that might be. Is do you any ideas for me to to help me help this happen? Um, there's you can sign petitions as mm -hmm. well as share them. Okay. Share them with everyone you know. It's very easy with social media nowadays. Mm -hmm. You can um, do your research on different cases and not just share their names, but actually know their story mm -hmm. of how they were the victims when they were alive. You can donate to funds here in Calgary or in the United States that help support the Black community, as well as just the protesters taking part in this mm -hmm. movement. Those are just a few of the ways. Do you, do you have any names of the places that we can donate to here in town? In Calgary, um, uh, Calgary Against Police Brutality, which was okay. a group from the Wednesday demonstration, started a fund called the Calgary Black Empowerment Fund, which is- Calgary Black Empowerment Fund. Okay. And it's helping fuel initiatives for future Black arts, culture, markets, initiatives, equity training, and political activism in Calgary. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Because yeah. I want to be I want to be able to spread as much as I can. You know, um, are, do you do you guys foresee some more marches or uh, demonstrations? Yes, there was. So there was the one on Sunday. There was the one on Wednesday, and there was also one in Airdrie on Wednesday. Mm. We had one up in Lethbridge, and there was mine on Saturday. There was actually one on Monday and one yesterday at uh, the Global News Headquarters and the CTV News Headquarters. And um, I know that right now, most people are trying to isolate from the last two weeks of being out, especially since we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely more planned, especially because 
this is not supposed to be a trend. It's not supposed to be a one-time thing. Yeah. We need to keep fighting until there's actually changes being done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm interested in what's coming up because I know I, th- I think they postponed the Innisfail one and I think it's co- the 13th, is it? They had to postpone it because there were too many counter protesters. Yeah. Yeah, which is just, I mean, not really that surprising out there, though, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so there's a group of people thinking that we could go to these smaller towns and help them out with their mm-hmm. uh, demonstrations. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's how else is awareness going to get out there? Because there's obviously people in Innisfail who don't want to be stuck in the Stone Age, right? Like, to be stuck thinking ridiculous ideas. As much as there's probably lots of people out there that are happy to be stuck (laughs) just where they are. Um, So how has the government's response been? Like, let's start with municipal. What's the municipal government's response been like? Um, It's been all right. Uh, There was report from the mayor on social media saying that these are important causes, but to still be careful within um, the pandemic. There's also been some community leaders, some Black community leaders, who've had some meetings with the uh, Calgary Police Department. Okay. There needs to be change. If you look at their um, recent um, spendings, a lot of money goes into the police department here, and it's taking away from other things, such as social services and education. So there's been some communication on how we can rectify that and how they can have stronger training to deal with de-escalating issues, especially with minorities. Mm-hmm. So did they outline anything specific that they're that that we would like to see in terms of training, or are we not there yet? They've only had one meeting, but they're supposed to have um, a couple more in the next month. Okay, so hopefully they get some strategies worked out, hey? Because yeah. it's it's one thing, and what I'm getting at is. It's one thing for a service or uh, organization to say, yeah, we're going to make some changes and to talk about it until people stop asking, right? And some of these larger organizations, they do that so smoothly. <laughs> like they, they have this natural suave ability to just push important stuff away by talking it to death. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By, by making all these promises. So anyway, I, I'm hopeful too and... Um, I think we have the kind of, um, hopefully, I don't know yet, but I think we have some leadership in this city that can actually make some good change, you know, especially when there's people like yourself pushing them in the back a little bit to change, right? I like that. That's awesome. How about the province? Have you guys had any sort of feedback from the province or? Uh, Well, they recently... Besides them being jerks, <laughs> have they done anything else besides be jerks? I'm not sure if they passed the one or if they are still working on getting loyal assent for it, but that was a big concern for Saturday's um, mm-hmm. rally because a lot of people were like, well, we don't want to get arrested for protesting. Yeah. So, didn't come out. so that bill, which wasn't even created for these rallies, which was created for the Wet'suwet'en Nation mm-hmm. rallies, is really terrible and taking away from the voices of the people. Um, of course, the premier said that um, he believes in protesting and people can protest what they want, but then he put up this law. So it's kind of like going against 
what you said with what you do. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're known for. <laughs> See, they'll tell you this hand over here has the prize, but really they took your wallet with this hand right over here. You know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry there's so much resistance there with the province, but I'm not surprised. They, like, and to be honest with you, if they, if they do pass that bill, we're coming out anyway. You can arrest all of us, man. Like, you can, it's okay. Like, I, I mean, part of my education has been learning about what the members of the civil rights movement went through, whether they were black or, or white, right? They went through whatever they had to go through, man. They got arrested. They got beat up. Like, let's do that whatever if you're going to throw us in jail for it that's okay right because it's still the right thing to do of course. you know yeah um i hope they don't because <laughs> i mean it's been a long time since i've had to make decisions like that about going to jail so uh but i will do it i, I will do it i don't uh i have no there's no um nothing's going to stop some of the people that i know as well from from participating right like um, I wanted to ask you a question, and this is like, you might not have any answer for this, but um, what, is it, what is it like when, um, when people are silent? Like when people who are so-called allies or, or whatever are silent? What, what is, um, how does that impact yourself? Like, what do you think about that? I think it's very disappointing. Mm. Um, you know, you have people that you think would support you or that, talk about supporting you but don't actually do anything mm -hmm. saying these things so it's just disappointing to have to see that yeah they care more about the opinions on the outside than what's right mm -hmm. so it's just disappointing really yeah fair enough it's, it's interesting because and from my perspective it goes beyond disappointing like it's weird right i um i don't understand i don't know what the solution is i don't understand what it's like to be oppressed like i don't uh, but i do understand what silence is right like and that like some of my colleagues for example right and um there's just silent and i mean i everyone has their own reasons for it right but i i feel i feel like it's kind of shitty like i do i feel like it's just a shitty way to approach this you know um to be silent and to not take a stand for justice right it, it we're we're not talking about hating somebody so that we can love somebody else. We're talking about loving people the same, right? And um, going beyond that love to actual tangible change in, in the system. Um, I, I can't see why anybody that I know would think that's a bad idea. <laughs> you know, I just don't get it. Um, so anyway, I, yeah. How about the federal government? How has the federal government treated you? The federal government has been disappointing. When um, the prime minister the other day was interviewed about what he thinks about the police brutality and everything going on in the states, mm -hmm. and he didn't really address it. He just said, "We're watching." I feel like not just our government, but all the governments need to take it to the UN or denounce the U.S.'s actions and actually do something because. A lot of people are dying every day, mm -hmm. even more so now from police brutality or peace protests. So mm -hmm. it was just very sad to see that. Like, it was disappointing. Cares more about political relations still with this messed up country than what's yeah. right. Yeah, he's he seems really preoccupied with that UN seat. Hey, like he's <laughs> stuck on that seat now. Like 
he doesn't want to say anything that's going to spoil his chance to sit at the table with the big kids. <laughs> like he's just, he just reminds me of that little kid who's like, okay, what do I say? What can I say that's not going to get me in trouble today? <laughs> and then he just talks anyway. Um, I could relate to that though, by the way, just talking when I shouldn't. Um, and him and other um, leaders of government, such as in the United States, have just been kneeling as a sign of solidarity, mm-hmm. which is annoying because they're the people who are supposed to be making the changes. Mm-hmm. They can't just look at us and copy us. They need to actually wow. do something about it. Yeah. And you're reading my mind because that was my next question was like, what is it like to see all these people who are in positions to actually make the change, just taking a knee and doing nothing. <laughs> like, how does that feel? That must, from, from my perspective, I just shake my head and I'm like, I already knew politicians were like that anyway, you know, but we want to see some different politicians, right? Yes. Yeah. Like get off the ground, man, go to work. Yeah. There's a lot of voter suppression, mm-hmm. especially in the States, but everywhere. So it's hard to see who you want in government, like people who will make real changes. Yeah, and, and you know, that's an interesting point because um, Michelle Robinson, who kind of connected us, she had mentioned that in, in a way, of, uh, maybe a year or so ago, we were talking about it and it, it's very much exactly like that. Like it just, and it's so discouraging because if you're an independent, what we're talking about was being an independent, going into a election of some kind, right? Because what I think, like, we need some, we need some different bodies of politicians. That's what we need. We need to shake it up a little bit. But apparently, there's so much bureaucracy to getting your party, even in the election, that it's, it's like, apparently very daunting, and very few people want to do it. Do you have any political aspirations? No, I don't. No? (laughs) No, not currently. I'm studying sociology at school, so Mm -hmm. I'm understanding how different groups interact and everything. Yeah. And politics kind of scare me right now until we make changes. And you know what? They scare the crap out of me, too. (laughs) Because, first of all, I don't understand it enough. But I'm going to just leave a little bit of a plug in here for you to run for politics at some point. <laughs> because really, honestly, what, what we need are people we can vote for that are going to make some change, right? And I know that it's hard. I'm not trying to put that on your shoulders. Like, you don't have to run tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I just hope. I hope that yourself or your friends, the people that you're work, working with, like, to get, to get into politics. Because one of the big things about this is voting, right? Yeah. We need to come out in record numbers and vote for the right person. Not just the one that's going to swing the vote a certain way, right? Like, I, I, got, I was frustrated at the last election because people were like, Dave, you just wasted your vote. I'm like, I didn't waste nothing <laughs> because I'm not voting just so this guy doesn't get in. I want to get, right? We want to vote for the right people. And I think you'd be one of the right people to vote for. I, I think it would be incredible. Thank you. Of course. You're welcome. The heart you got. I mean, we need politicians with heart and some, maybe some character. That'd be nice. (laughs) It'd be nice to have politicians with character instead of them always being characters, right? Like, like comic book characters. Um, Have you talked with it with, have you specifically talked with the police service or member or anyone in that position? No, no, it's been more 
of the adult adults oh <laughs> organizers in calgary because gotcha. um there's been a lot of black activism done in calgary and i'm pretty much new to it mm -hmm. but it's been going on for years probably since before i was born yeah so people who've been working there who are more in charge of it yeah well and that makes sense like there's got to be people doing different things right i mean because you can imagine if you had to do it all you probably wouldn't be awake right now. You'd, you'd be, or definitely not wanting to talk to me. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me. Um, let's see here. All right. I, you know what? I think, uh, yeah, I think we covered all this math. Oh, I wanted to ask you about, thanks, Darcy. Darcy just slipped me a note because I'd forgotten almost. Um, the defund police. Can you just, can you explain that to me? Like what is kind of the idea behind it? And I, I understand the word defund, but are we talking about a complete dismantling of the police force and like disregarding it? Or are we talking about something different? From what I understand is we would take away some of the funds from the police because as far as it is now, um, one example that comes to mind is the Vancouver Police Department is funded so much that it could be one of the seven largest army in the world. So really? if we took away some of the funds from our local police, not all of it, just some mm -hmm. of it, we could redistribute it into different sectors such as social services, mm -hmm. health services, education, and that way when you have an emergency that has to do with someone's mental health, which is a lot of the cases of police brutality for black and indigenous people mm. have to do with people with mental health, they would call um, a counselor instead of the police, someone who's more qualified mm -hmm. to take care of this problem. And I think that's a good idea because first of all, the police do have a lot of money, like mm. a lot of money. They do get funded well, right? It's crazy when you see the amount of money they have. And then it's strange too when you see there's a shortage of money in other places. So many teachers have to mm -hmm. buy supplies for their students and stuff. When the cops are here with way too much money that could cover so much for these schools and other things. So yeah. I think defunding the police is important because it's not exactly dismantling it which is also something that could happen mm -hmm. but it's helping create more variety and what can help you there's also the idea of dismantling the police which mm -hmm. will create a whole new security system which i don't know what that would look like but it sounds yeah like who knows but that's so okay i'm glad you said that because i i think what i've tried to tell people is exactly that what you said like it's not about completely getting rid of the police right? Because I think we all can recognize that murders and these violent crimes still need to be investigated and people need to be arrested for those things. We can't just let murderers run around. And I think people have this like idea. And don't get me wrong, it's probably uh, definitely, it could be definitely a white person thing where we have these fantasies in our head about stuff. <laughs> and we, because we, to be honest, that's just kind of part of us. <laughs> these fantasies of how utopian life can be if only everybody would listen, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we think we need more police uh, in this fantasy world that we live in. Because in the fantasy world, you see the police keep us safe. And then we don't have to pay attention to what else is going on, right? 
um, you and I know that's that's just the opposite of what we need. Uh, and I'm so I'm a fan of defunding, not completely defunding, obviously, because I think we still have serious issues that need to be dealt with with um, people trained to deal with those things. What I really want to see uh, is retraining. I want to see more training for these folks, right? I want to see if they're going to have, and like you said, disperse some funds to social services programs, right? Like how many single moms do we have in Calgary? Are all of them being helped? Right? Like those are, to me, that's more important because single moms or single dads, both of them um, have such a vital role in our communities that I think that's just one, that's just one tiny demographic too. And of course we'd still have to be careful with what goes on with the social services workers because a yep. lot of times they target um, black families, indigenous families, people of color's families and take yep. away the children and put them in foster care or with a white family still mm -hmm. dismantling the family of people of color yep. because they don't want to see them thrive so then we'd have to have retraining for them it's just a very much retraining of the whole system absolutely and i think that you know and when you say it like that it sounds like a huge job right and you know what you're right it's going to be a big job but what else are we going to do <laughs> like it's it's not as though there is a viable option outside of, of reframing all this stuff, right? Yeah, I, I, I hope, my hope is that the smart people who do, who make these decisions start to pay attention. I really hope they do. Um, I, one of the things that I think that I've experienced through this, through the, the protests and the marches that we've done last week, there was just this desire to actually follow through, right? that you can sense it from the people in the, in the crowd where we are all tired of this. Like we are all tired of it. We, I may not fully understand it. I don't claim to, but I'm tired of it. Nonetheless, I'm, I am tired of our system doing this. Um, it's funny because you mentioned social services and of course there'd have to be huge retraining, right? For sure. Myself included, I'll take whatever they want to give me um, for training. And but every time I work with new groups or new individuals, because I'm a social worker, right? So one of the first things I say after I am a social worker is I don't work for the government. <laughs> I never have uh, in terms of social work. I've never worked for the government because I am not that person, right? Um, I had like for me, some colleagues went to work for the government in different capacities after school. And they said, well, why don't you come work? why don't you come work for child services or something like that? And I said, well, because then I'm part of the problem, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to be part of the problem. Uh, and don't get me wrong. There's, they, they do a vital service about 10% of the time, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe more than that. I'm obviously underestimating, but they do a vital service where they're actually protecting children. Right. And that is a hundred percent vital, but that's like the 10% of the time when we really need police, right? Yeah. We don't need them hundred percent of the time. We need them 10% of the time, maybe less than that, maybe more. I, I'm, again, I'm definitely not a math person. So the percentages escape me. Um, is, there, is there anything else that you would like to talk about? I don't want to take up any more of your time. Oh, that's okay. I'm not doing anything in quarantine. Oh, I guess, are you stuck in quarantine? That's right. We're not stuck in quarantine, just staying home. I've been staying mm. home since I've come back from university. Oh, okay. Uh, my mom works in the hospital, so she's very 
with the rules with us. <laughs> oh, good. You know what? She she knows what she's talking about. I'm sure. Yeah. What does she do in the hospital? Uh, she's a nurse educator and a registered oh, nurse. That's awesome, man. But, Please tell her I said thank you. Yeah. For thank you for continuing to work when lots of people weren't right going to work to help save lives. I appreciate that stuff, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So is there anything else you want to leave with, with us? I don't think so. I think okay. you mentioned everything. Okay. Um, just make sure you don't stop taking action. Okay. Whether it's going outside for protests or staying home and signing petitions. Okay. I'm in. I'm a hundred percent in. And uh, I, thank you so much for coming on this morning um, with only a couple days notice too. I really appreciate that. No worries. Um, if, if you, if you know of anyone else who you think would want to share a story with us that, um, and again, I, I, I don't understand most things. <laughs> so, but I do think that the more exposure we can do, because I don't want to stop, right? I felt the momentum last week and I don't want to stop. I, I want to try to keep going with this. Right. And, um, because I think one of the awesome things that, that this incredible movement has started to do is also bring awareness to the indigenous, right? The, the fact of that protest, the reason they are making it illegal is to block indigenous people from protesting their, the use of their land, right? Like it's so calculated. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that through this, we push forward with everybody right like we um because there's so many people that are just on board right and um i'd hate to stop so anyway i'm babbling now <laughs> thank you so much nika really appreciate your time thank you for tuning in this week to the voices in recovery podcast please stay tuned every wednesday as we air another episode thank you for your time and please if you're in trouble reach out if you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts. <music>